there's definitely a big network and a growing network of people who've got successful businesses, interesting careers, and they really want to, um, you know, share their expertise with others and also tell their stories as well. Welcome to No Fat Hats, where I want to help you set goals, create a plan, and execute consistently with your creative projects. Are you struggling to find guests for your podcast? Let's face it, regularly finding people for a podcast can be a lot of work. And at first you can pull on your friends and your family, but at some point your immediate circle of people to pull from starts to slim down. You tap connections and ask for referrals, but at some point it's easy to get stuck in the place where you aren't big enough that everyone wants to be on your podcast, but also have run out of immediate guests to pull from and really have to start digging for people. Wouldn't it be awesome if there was an easy way to find people who wanted to be on your podcast? Well, James Mulvaney set out to do just that when he created Matchmaker FM, a site for helping podcasters connect with podcast guests and vice versa. It's basically self-described the Tinder, but for podcasters and completely free. Now, James had first started the website podcast.co as a way of helping people host their podcast, but then realizing that people were having this problem of finding people be on their shows, and so he created this site. So without further ado, here's my conversation with James. Hey James, welcome to the podcast. No, no fat cats. It's great to have you have you on board. Thanks very much for having me, Wesley. How's it going? No, it's going well. So I know you're calling in from uh, Manchester, Manchester, England, I believe, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, all the way from the UK. So uh, actually, for once, we've not been getting too much rain here. It's actually been pretty sunny the last few weeks. Oh, nice. Oh, glad to hear. I know we're just kind of just starting with some of our summer and it's actually been been pretty, pretty nice over here. I know normally, I guess, you know, I have the stereotype of uh, your area, your neck of the woods, as they say over here, being kind of kind of <laughs> rainy. <laughs> Especially in Manchester, it's very, it's got a great reputation for being really rainy. But yeah, it's been, we because obviously we've been in lockdown you know, which is not ideal. It feels a bit weird. I'm lucky I've got a good outdoor terrace in my apartment. So, you know, I've been just spending a lot of time outdoors, working on my laptop and just kind of chilling out. So it's, it's been kind of good. Okay. No, I mean, yeah. How's, I think that's always the topic of conversation is, you know, how is, you know, mm. how's COVID been treating you? And, and I know at least that, you know, for people who kind of work in industries where they, you know, a lot of stuff they produce can be done at home and they haven't been hit as hard. And I know, you know, podcast guests, the, the one thing, mm. you know, when I first started was that I'm like, well, do I do the, the recording in person? And, and it's kind of a hassle to go and meet with someone and set things up. But, yeah. you know, when you do it online, it, it is a lot easier than all of a sudden everything is just happening online. So that makes that that role easier. Yeah. Well, one of the challenges I've just I'm just finishing now, really, I set myself a challenge to be on 30 podcasts within 30 days. So um, using matchmaker.fm, which I'm sure we'll get onto in a little bit, but you know, it was, uh, I would never normally have the time to do that if I was in the office with, you know, with my colleagues, because it's just, you know, it's great being in that kind of team collaborative environment, but you just cut, you cut, I wouldn't be able to devote that kind of time uh, to just being on podcasts or, you know, constantly 30 days in a row. So. No, that that's awesome. And so, too, I, I was curious. Like, so let's uh, topic of the day. Obviously, Matchmaker FM. But before we yeah. get to that, you know, ha- have you always been into you know audio podcasting? What has been that that personal journey for you when it when it comes to that space? Yeah, so I've always been a big fan of audio as a t- as a tool of communication. Like when when I was growing up, I used to listen to the radio. I used to love music, and I was kind of one of those geeky kids that used to record himself on a tape recorder in his bedroom. You know. 
and and that that kind of led to me getting involved in the the broadcast industry so i have uh been working with online radio stations providing streaming media services kind of behind the scenes um for the last sort of 15 years now um which then naturally progressed on to kind of getting involved with the podcasting world the first podcast i ever started was with my friend steve probably back in like 2008 2009 That's just when i was finishing after then yeah it was it was when i was just finishing university and it was just a bit of fun at the time but like you know that podcast is long gone you know i i, I try and dig up the episodes but i don't know where they are so uh it's just one of those kind of relics but yeah it was it, back then it was very difficult to do you know you getting a good quality recording wasn't very accessible like you had to spend a lot more on the equipment there wasn't usb microphones and things available so the whole the whole process was quite involved um whereas now i think you know platforms like ours podcast.co make it really straightforward and simple for people to get started and i just think there's just been this incredible boom over the last three years of just podcast uh, you know the, the quality the caliber of what's available has just gone right up and yeah, I think, you know, part of it too has been is that with people commuting, that people are just looking to do something in, in, in a space while they're, I mean, for me personally, my, my preferred method of consuming podcasts has been as, as I'm biking to work, uh, right. you know, it's like 25 minutes, you know, 30 minutes and, you know, just put on a podcast, listen to it at time and a half. And, you know, you get an episode in and you feel like you've learned something, you feel a little yeah. bit smarter, uh, feel like you've added value, you know, to your, to your life through that. And so I know that's why that's why I personally got into it, even though I, my background really is video production was, mm -hmm. you know, I just I thought it made more sense to consume a podcast for uh, for learning because I don't ha I don't have an hour to sit around and just watch a video necessarily. But sure, I can, can listen to an episode on my way to work while I'm biking, doing something else. And, mm -hmm. and, and from that point of view, it just is a great, great combination. And so I guess, too, so like going back to you know, what you then started with, with Matchmaker FM, like how did you get started and, and what was that, that process like of thinking, oh, we should start, you know, Matchmaker FM? Yeah, so we launched podcast.co, uh, which is a podcast hosting platform. We've been working as well as a, an agency producing podcasts on behalf of lots of clients. And, you know, I think it's no secret that there's so many podcasts which are based on interviews, having people on as guests, uh, you know, and in interviewing other people. And, you know, it's it's quite a challenge, especially if you're doing a really regular podcast, if you're perhaps producing a show a week, to constantly make sure you've got your pipeline filled with guests. And there's a couple of services out there that claim to do this. And, and there's there's some people who claim to be like guest bookers and stuff, which either cost very, you know, a lot of money or, or you know, the, the kind of sites are kind of very dated. So we wanted to build something that was modern, clean and kind of, you know, just innovative, a, a place that we could kind of focus on to start off with building really good, high quality connections between people. And we only launched Matchmaker in February this year. So it's kind of still very new. And um, we're about to hit 4000 users now. So it's grown very, very quickly. But we've been mainly focusing on just making sure that we're building quality connections and that you know, we're not just filling it with users. Do you remember Twitter? They used to just have like all the accounts with the little egg icon because they were just <laughs> inactive accounts. We want yep. to try and create connections and, and, and people who are on the platform who are actually engaged in using it. No, that's great. And, and I know for me too, you know, that's been one of my challenges too, is that I do, uh, usually most of my episodes are in, interview based, you know, yeah. marketing space for creative teams, help people kind of, mm -hmm. you know, set goals, uh, you know, work on their strategy and, and the next few consistently. But 
you know, initially I think you can kind of pull from your immediate network, but then after a while you kind of start to reach a point where you, you know, maybe like tap out of, you know, like your immediate network of most immediate people that come to mind. Yeah. And you don't quite have the, the, the credibility to really go out for some of the obvious choices out there who are clearly like experts that everyone knows. Uh, but I think yeah. there's a lot of space for that middle ground of like people who are good in the space, but you just don't know who they are yet. I think as well, you know, you want to, you, you make a very good point there, people who don't know who they are yet, but there's lots of people out there who have ch- achieved some amazing things and have got some really interesting stories to tell. And you can learn a lot by chatting to people, you know, I'm sure everyone wants to go and interview, you know, Joe Rogan or whoever, yeah. you know, big celebrity names. Especially after his $100 million deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. But, you know, this is the thing. There's there's, there's definitely a big network and a growing network of people who've got successful businesses, interesting careers, and they really want to, um, you know, share their expertise with others and also tell their stories as well. No, I, I think you're right. And, and I think, too, that has been one of the struggles for me where, times it's like who do you you know at times you reach out to like like a book book author but it but if you already know who they are they probably already done um like like there's almost interview fatigue i found where people are trying to promote something they want to be on podcasts and yes and so they're doing all these interviews but the time you find them if they've already done you know their quota their circuit they're just burnt out and yeah. so they don't want to actually they're not ready to be on people's podcasts because they've done 200 of them already but I yeah. think there has it's a matter of finding people in that sweet spot of really good up and coming um, for for being able to just crank stuff out continuously. I think also as well, like if you kind of interview someone who's done 200 podcasts, they're going to have said that it gets to the stage where, you know, you have to start repeating yourself. You know, this has been a big challenge for me. As I say, I've set myself 30 and 30 days. It's been a lot of work, um, but I've really enjoyed it, you know, and but what it what has been try difficult is to try and keep each episode fresh, each episode unique, because you don't want to just be saying the same thing over and over again. And I think certainly with authors, sometimes they have like the standard spiel that they kind of just repeat again and again. Yeah, yeah, they go and buy the book. And I think really like what's what's exciting about interviewing different people and trying to keep your you know it, it, both as as an interviewer and as a guest you know you just get to make some fascinating connections and meet some really really cool people um and and it's it's good fun i i've as i say it's been hard work for me but i've really enjoyed this process over the last uh, month it's been great okay and, and so i am curious too like on your end you know and so your podcast you know wh- what's the best, where is your currently podcast going like where are you currently putting your podcast up on uh, so my podcast is called Create, Reach, Inspire, and uh, you know we're we're on all the major outlets. So we're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, iTunes, etc. Um, but also because of what I do, I work with a lot of companies in producing their own podcasts and producing podcasts on behalf of some of our clients' clients as well. So we work with uh, various different um, artist management companies, record labels, uh, and and who represent say like musicians, uh, sports personalities, those kind of people. So we're working on a lot of podcasts like that as well. So, you know, really exciting space to be in at the moment. And there's lots of opportunity out there, I think currently. All right. Has there been, did you find, have you had a few podcast guests that you just like really loved having that were Mm -hmm. like, wow, I can't believe I got this person. And, and what did you, what was that process like of getting to have them on your, your show? Well, I mean, I think, the, the, for for my own personal podcast, uh, one of the 
things I did for season two is I wanted to interview people who do do most of the interviews face to face. So I did some here in Manchester. I said did some down in London, um, but that was really my goal. And they aren't all necessarily like you know big personalities or big stars but the the goal really that the the ethos was business leaders who are doing something differently so they've they've started their own business which is kind of breaking the mold out of the norm for what is going on in that industry and i think you can learn a lot from people like that so some of these guys are very successful um and you know some of them were had just recently broken out of very high-end successful careers you know corporate careers um being paid mega bucks, but they're sick of working for the kind of the corporation, working for the machine, and they want to start a, their own sort of boutique agency providing a service, uh, which is you know in the same market, but you know they're going to have to be super smart about how they're doing it because they're playing up against some really big players. So I think f- from those kind of guests, you can just learn so much, and that was really my approach for season two. I wanted to you know interview and kind of really get into the minds of those kinds of people, seeing you know what made them tick and what, what kind of what led them to do what they decided to do, you know? And everyone's story is different. No, de- definitely. So too, I know you mentioned this is season two for you. How have you gone about the process of, of breaking stuff down? I know some people have, have chosen to take the approach of just weekly content, putting it out mm. there, you know, a weekly basis. Other people will go more of like the season approach and then almost yep. like drop a season uh, once. So everyone is, because I think from what I understand is iTunes looks at, looks at downloads, total downloads. And so if you drop a season, let's say there's 10 episodes, unless you only get 10 people who download it, all of a sudden that looks like a hundred downloads. And so it doesn't uh-huh. matter. Um, do, what are your current like, you know, way of thinking in terms of just, obviously you need to be consistent over time, but do you drop seasons, mm-hmm. do, you, do you weekly content, any thoughts about how to approach that? I think it's different for different people personally, because I'm running two different companies. I don't have the time to devote to recording podcast episodes, you know, every single week of the year. I did a season of eight series, uh, you know, eight episodes, which which we rolled out uh, probably a couple of months ago now. And as I say, in lockdown, I'm I've been being a guest on other people's podcasts, 30 and 30 days, uh, which, again, you know, is quite time consuming. But you have to be very focused with it and you have to be very organized as well when you, you're doing the appearances on other people's podcasts. You know, and it, you get a totally different experience being a guest than you do being an interviewer, um, which I think is fascinating. Um, but in terms of, you know, breaking it down to seasons, for me, it's because I just can't, you know, I, I, I record them in a batch. Um, I'll, I'll work with my team to actually edit them and create all the assets to promote those episodes, and then we'll release them according to a fixed schedule. I'll then have a break and I'll go back to doing another season later in the year. And that's just how my, my workload needs to be because, as I say, I, I, I'm, I'm running two companies, so I've got lots of other things to be doing. And also as well, because, you know, as I said a bit to you before, we're producing lots of podcasts for other people, you know, so I'm not just thinking about what my podcast is. It's kind of, um, you know, what, what can we deliver for value? Can we deliver for clients? And, you know, you have to sort of think about how to, um, you know, make their content engaging as much as your own. No, that is definitely a good point. And so I know you mentioned promotion. I know it's it's a little bit hard unless you really chart as a podcast for your podcast to be found, and unless you find it through some other service like social mm-hmm. media, uh, a friend recommends it, you know, or, or unless you're like one of the top players, you know, what are your tips for what is your process like for going in and promoting a podcast whenever you drop, you know, a season or an episode? Yeah, well, I, I've one of the things that I've been focusing on the past year 
sort of eight months to a year is personal branding. You know, so obviously I have, we have a certain amount of content that we push out as, as companies for my radio.co business and podcast.co business. And we have teams who work on that content. But in terms of the content I produce, I've really started focusing more on that this year and, and sort of towards the back end of last year. So I have my own YouTube channel. I'm constantly putting, pushing stuff out on LinkedIn. I find LinkedIn at the moment is really good for engagement. Um, but ultimately as well, whenever I'm pushing out this content, I'm trying to build mailing lists. So, you know, getting people on my email marketing list and try and send useful content to people via email. But I think that's really key as well to promoting new episodes when they come out is being able to have an existing audience that you can leverage to say, look, I've just dropped a new podcast episode. We think you'll find it interesting. Here's what you're going to learn from it, or here's the benefits you'll get from listening to that episode. And and actually just using it, not just as a sort of standalone thing, but as part of your whole marketing strategy. I think that's really important. Now, it's a good point is that, yeah, I think I think you, it's, it's going to be so much easier when you already have an audience to drop things to. Um, yeah, even podcasts that I that I follow, you know, I have a, have a few in the subscribe panel. I just I just don't make it to all of them, mm. uh, you know, especially when I'm at home. So I'm I'm not commuting to work, so I'm, I'm less likely to listen to some. But then when I when I see the email, then I'll be like, oh wow, that that look, that one looks particularly interesting. Yeah, you need to go back to this guy's podcast just because, uh, you know, I might not have 15 hours a week to subscribe to all the podcasts that I, <laughs> exactly. that I follow. You know. Over time, <laughs> and and it's interesting because people always ask me, you know, what's your favorite podcast or which podcast you listen to, and because of the nature of what I do, and and just my personality, my attention span is is rubbish. I'm not one to like sit and watch twelve part Netflix series, and it's the same with podcasts. I will like dip in and out. I will listen to certain episodes that catch my eye. I think, well, that sounds interesting. I listen to that, or that one looks interesting. And there's obviously, yes, you've got the the ones you're subscribed to, but then I quite often find I listen to episodes that I find online. And I won't necessarily subscribe to, to that podcast just because I listened to that one episode. So I think, you know, the, the, the idea that everyone who's going to subscribe to your podcast and is going to listen to every single episode is probably a little bit dated now. I don't think it really works like that anymore. Maybe, you know, it used to five, 10 years ago. But nowadays you need to be thinking, you know, it's, it's not always going to be people subscribing who are listening. It might just be people who are landing on your website. They find it through Google or, you know, like you say, they find it through another a friend's recommendation or social media, et cetera, but not necessarily always going to be subscribers. So it sounds like what you're saying is that your approach isn't necessarily, hey, you're going to get people who come and then, you know, land the whole, they're going to binge listen and watch the whole time or listen the whole time. But really, it's a matter of put out each of those individual episodes and really have make sure there is, you know, multiple connect points to each podcast yeah. Uh, so that people can can get them. So, so and also though, remember to when you when you actually have an episode, remember to have a call to action. So, if you're if you're getting those people who listen to that one episode who perhaps aren't subscribed to your podcast, you know, have a call to action at the end of that episode, which says, you know, maybe you want to sign up to my mailing list and find out more about me, or maybe you want to download a free video course or a free PDF or something of value that people can say, oh, that sounds interesting, and you know the the kind of person who's listening to that episode might then say, take action on that call to action. I think that's more enticing than just constantly nagging people to subscribe to your podcast. You know, and if, the, if you get them on your mailing list, the chances are they might subscribe to your podcast anyway. No, that's a good point is that, mm. you know, always have that, that call to action and, and 
you know, you want people to do something that's besides just the leave a review, subscribe. And, and mm-hmm. when you provide something of value, I think people are more likely to say, yes, I'm willing to give you my email address for, for this PDF, for this tips or, you know, whatever it is in terms mm-hmm. of, uh, of value. So I'm curious, you know, what is your workflow for your current podcast in terms of the process of, you know, reaching out to interviews, uh, doing the audio, who do you send it off to? Um, kind of running kind of two companies basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we have, um, we, you know, I'm lucky. So I've got an in-house production facility. Uh, so we have probably six people who work in content and they're videographers, audio editors, uh, producers. So generally speaking with my podcast, I, I'm quite lucky in that I kind of show up, uh, record the episode and I don't have much involvement in the rest of the process that kind of, um, because obviously we have that, that capacity for client work. Um, I can just lean on that for my own podcast as well. But I think, the, the advice that I always give to people who are just getting started is uh, you just need to be super organized about it. So firstly, you know, leverage a calendar tool, whatever, whatever you're using. I think we used you use Actuity Scheduling, Calendly. I use something called Harmonizely. They just make syncing your diary so much easier than the backwards and forwards of email, you know, so just Absolutely. use one of those tools. It's really, it makes, you know, so, so much, so, so much time. And of course, then you both have a nice calendar entry you know, so you can see, okay, what have I got coming up for that day? Am I being interviewed by someone or have I got an interview with someone else or am I doing an interview? So, you know, that's, that's step one. Step two is once you've recorded the episode, you know, just treat it like a Trello workflow. That's what we do for our work. That's what we do for our clients' work. So, you know, you have episodes that are due to be recorded and then you, once they've been recorded, you move it into the recorded column then you move it into the editing, you know, and, and once it's finished editing, then you maybe have, um, you know, asset production. So you might be creating videos for social media or little clips and, or extracting out quotes. Uh, and then obviously once it's published, you have it in a, you know, due to go live and move, move it into a live column. Um, you know, we use Trello quite heavily for our client work just to make sure that we're kind of keeping on top, top of things. And also you want to make sure that you're not missing anything or forgetting about any episodes as well. And that's a perfect way of doing it. Yeah, no, I think especially, yeah, whether it's, you know, Trello or, or, or Basecamp or Asana, like you need to have yeah, some sort exactly. of tool, uh, especially if it's in team environment, there's multiple mm. steps that, that you pass through. Yeah. What, what kind of content are you tra- currently trying to do in terms of with the podcast? For, I mean, have you found like audiograms or is it, uh, you know, just blasting out of the email? What kind of things are you, are you seeing are effective right now for, for promoting con- podcasts? Well, I think it's just a mix, you know, we, for, for my podcast, we try creating a long form piece of con- written content from each episode. We, we created uh, multiple uh, audiograms, those little clips, the highlights, the nuggets of information you learn from that guest. And we, as I say, the face-to-face ones, we were also where possible pushing them out as full length recordings to YouTube. Um, I think if you can do that, if you have the time, because of course this tough stuff is time consuming to do all of that you know, it's, it's a lot of work, especially if you're just doing it on your own. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, just leveraging social media, making sure you've got, you're at least taking repurposing that content of social media. That's sort of step one, really. No, I think, I think definitely, because especially it, as a personal podcast host, you know, you're going to have a personal network. And so, you know, mm. you might as well, might as well leverage that to a certain extent, whatever you can. Yeah. And also just make sure that you're remembering once you actually publish that episode with the guest, make sure you just send them a polite nudge just to kind of push it out to their networks as well. You know, that's, no, that's, that's one of the, the main benefits of having guests on your show, I think. 
yeah, so you can get them to, to pull it out to their mm. their network. No, absolutely. So going back to, to podcast F- FM, uh, I mean, what was that journey like? I mean, I know there's a lot that goes into, hey, wouldn't it be awesome if we could do this to actually yeah. having a working website that's uh, that people can go to sign up? Yeah. You know, what was that an idea that was percolating in your mind for a while or what was that like? Right. So so we initially we launched podcast.co and we thought, you know, we, we noticed a lot of podcasts are based on having guests. So as I mentioned before, so we decided to initially just create a couple of different tests. We had a two funnels on the podcast.co site, one which said, you know, hey, are you a podcaster? Are you looking for better guests? Please fill out this form. And it wasn't just a name and an email address form. It was like name, email address. Please tell us about your podcast. What sort of guests are you looking for? And, you know, try and give us as much information as possible. And we'll try and connect you with guests. And this was just literally a Google form. You know, it took us 10 minutes to put together. And what we noticed was podcasters were actually coming to us and saying, yes, I want better guests. And here's my podcast. And this sort of sort of guests that I want to be connected with. We set up another page doing the opposite, saying, you know, are you a guest? Are you an industry expert? Do you want to be featured on, to, on more high profile podcasts? Please tell us about yourself. You know, what are your areas of expertise? You know, tell us about your career, et cetera. And effectively, people are creating their own profiles on these two different Google Forms. So we kind of used that as a way to validate the demand for the product. So before we actually wrote any code, we wanted to make sure that there was podcasters looking for guests and guests looking to be on podcasts. Uh, we probably had a couple of hundred responses in total. And at that stage, we thought, right, this is a goer, you know, so let's start working on on some ideas for a product. Uh, we came up with the name Matchmaker. We kind of thought we want to build this like almost a bit in a bit of a sort of tongue in cheek way, like a dating platform for podcasters. Yep. So this is what it says on our homepage. It's like Tinder for podcasters. Um, and really, that's just how the, the product came about. You know, we we validated there was demand there before actually starting to build it. And um, of course, then when we had the platform ready to go, we probably spent about four or five months building the thing and <coughs> excuse me um and then we you know we reached out to all of those folks who'd filled in those forms and we said look this is ready to go please sign up and of course we had our first users already there no that that's great and you know, I, I, that is kind of you know tongue-in-cheek in terms of like, yeah it's like the, the tinder for podcasting uh you know so people can go up you know go online you know you can put they're either looking to be on a podcast or, or looking to host one and then has there been anything that's been like surprising about the process? Um, you know, is, is your starting like, Oh, I didn't think of that or, uh, any like lessons learned, uh, you know, through, through the way of creating it? Well, um, the development process, you know, obviously we kind of launched it as an MVP. So as I say, it's been live for about four months now. We've grown to nearly 4,000 users. What we're doing is, is listening to what users want. So there's loads of things that we didn't think about. So for example, um, we didn't have, when we launched ability to set yourself as like a way. So, you know, obviously not everyone constantly wants to be bombarded with requests for guests or, or not every guest wants to be reg- bombarded with requests for interviews. It's kind of, so we, we, we didn't even think about that. So we, we obviously had to put like a little on off switch there. Um, there's loads of stuff on the roadmap now. One of the other major um, features that we're going to be building is like an agency function. We have had a lot of PR and marketing companies coming to us saying, look, I don't want to just represent myself. I want to re- represent, you know, 10, 15, 20 different guests and we will handle all the communication on their behalf. We want to get them booked on podcasts. So we'll probably be adding an agency function to it in the near future as well. And, uh, you know, just continuing to iterate and make small adjustments as, as users 
demand sort of increases. No, that, that's great. And and to what extent have is has kind of growing it just been a matter of you know reaching out to people who are who ha- have self identified as as podcasters on you know LinkedIn and letting yep. them know about the service versus uh, have you tried any kind of you know ad campaign or just kind of word of mouth growing it in, in that regard? We've we've used a lot of uh, LinkedIn outreach. We've used a lot of word of mouth, and actually because users have found the service really valuable. Uh, they've been fantastic about spreading the word. So, you know, we've been saying to people, look, you know, if you find this useful, please share it with your networks. We've had loads of people, you know, posting about it in like marketing groups and and the sort of mentoring groups that they're part of and recommending it to others, which I think has helped us in terms of the growth. Um, because at the moment, you know, it's it's a closed environment. You know, that's another thing which we're looking at doing is is making it more open so search engines can crawl individual users' profiles. Uh, but, you know, at the moment, you know, you still need to sign up in order to sort of view guests, et cetera. So, you know, the, the, but it but it has been mainly just um, through organic outreach and word of mouth. We've run a little bit of advertising to it as well. Um, you know, mainly we, we're conscious that obviously we want to have a sort of fairly even balance between guests and podcasts. There's slightly more guests on the platform at the moment than there is podcasts. But, you know, it's not the, we, we, we don't want that gap to become too big because ultimately, I think you need to give podcasters a good, better, a bigger choice of guests almost. So there's probably always got to be slightly more guests than there is podcasts. But we, but again, we don't want to kind of have, you know, like a million guests on there and only like a few hundred podcasts. We need to try and keep those numbers relatively balanced. No, definitely. And so I'm curious too, like, obviously with any company, like it's a matter of getting users and eventually growing, like what is like the yeah. business model look like for, for a group like Matchmaker? Um, mm. I know, I mean, right now, I think the as far as I know, like the service is free, yep. but what does that look like to to leverage and grow, you know, to like financial sustainability down the road? Yeah, so I think to begin with, as I say, we're, we're focused just on building connections. We want to grow the user base. We probably will always have a free model, a freemium model. Um, I think probably we will be, char- like as I mentioned before, if agencies want to come on board, there's going to be money there. So it'll be, if you want to sign up to an agency account representing your guests, uh, that will be a paid for service in terms of charging users will probably also be, you know, introducing some premium plans in future. I think it will probably still be, you know, we'll always have a free option there just because I think, um, it's a know, good it's practice. A great, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's, and as an entrepreneur, I find it massively rewarding seeing that people are making connections using our software. So we want to try and keep that, uh, you know, always free, but, um, there's also other things that we can do. You know, we it's been a great funnel for getting clients to sign up to our other business, which is a podcast hosting platform over at podcast.co. So because a lot of people who sign up as guests really want to start their own podcast as well, you know, so they might do a few interviews and think, you know, I'm going to have a crack at this. So it's it's been a good funnel for, 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 for you know, transferring users to signing up to podcast.co. So we can kind of justify running it for free for them for the time being anyway. And that's sort of what's funded the development of it so far. Oh, that's interesting. So, so are they actually like technically podcast.co and, and matchmaker FM, are they like technically separate companies or are they kind of under the same roof? Uh, of, yeah, it's of the one same company. company. Yeah, oh, exactly. Okay. So, so podcast.co really is, is the, the parent company and we're treating matchmaker like a startup within a startup. Oh, that's awesome. Mm. Uh, no, cool. And so I guess with, with podcast.co, you know, how do you feel like you have been setting yourselves up in terms of like against the competition? Like what has been that process with podcast podcast.co? Well, we wanted to create a platform that was kind of clean, modern, and easy to use. That was really the initial um, targets. Uh, and a lot of the podcast hosting platforms out there are kind of pretty old school, and some of them aren't very user-friendly. 
Um, so that was really the first and foremost thing we wanted to do is just create a really good user experience. The next thing was making it very agency friendly. So you can sign up, you can have multiple podcasts, you can have lots of different users and you can connect different users, to different podcasts. So that helps with, um, you know, onboarding larger companies, people with multiple podcasts, et cetera. Um, and then finally, just working with with integrations as well. Like if you look at most marketing tools these days, um, they don't do everything. You know, they work with other platforms and you can kind of connect them together. So we've, for example, I think we're the first podcast hosting platform to actually put a Zapier integration in place. Um, oh, we wow. also have um, partnerships with a company called Headliner who do the, the, the videograms. Um, and a few others which are in progress at the moment. So, you know, again, it's making it kind of easily connectable to other solutions and uh, obviously Matchmaker being one of them as well. No, that's great. That That is uh, kind of helpful here that how that breakdown is and kind of solving some of those problems that some mm. of the other other ones like Anchor might not have, you know, or, or stuff like that. So it's more kind of like agency friendly uh, yep. for people who are because I know especially with like you know, something like Anchor, like you have to like a separate login and, yeah. you know, it's kind of a hassle that way, but I can see how there could be a, a lot of value in, in podcast.co with, with something like that. So I will definitely mm-hmm. have to be, be checking those, those features out too as well. And, and great. And so too, I'm curious, you know, when it comes to, to podcasts and the interviews, do you think, I know a lot, a lot of programs are starting to do like live uh, live versions where it's like they're going live on on video and the, and taking the audio as a podcast mm-hmm. do you think to a certain extent how many of your interviews that, that you see people doing are on they're doing something live at the same time and then later putting audio out uh is a, is a separate channel or do you think people mm. will still kind of keep in the, the traditional podcast form for a while or in, any thoughts there I mean, I think it's interesting because I've just finished doing a live series myself. Um, we didn't, they, they are available to watch again on demand on like YouTube. And, and actually I started the series just on LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I was saying to, to one of my colleagues is we should be pushing these, the audios out of these episodes out as a podcast, but we haven't done that, you know? So I think it's a mix really, you know, again, I was on a podcast the other day, which they, they stream live. Sometimes when you get guests on and you say, I want to do this live, they freak out. You know, some people just don't <laughs> feel comfortable doing it live because, you know, obviously it can't be edited. But, you know, um, I think it's just down to the individual, really. I don't think there's any I don't. I think it's too early to really see it, say that there's a trend or a pattern there. I think, you know, again, there's lots of people who do live streaming, you know, on YouTube and things and don't do podcasting. And then obviously podcasters who don't do live stuff. So it's just. It's just really down to, to your audience and what you think works best, I think, and what, you, what you're what personally comfortable doing. Okay. So, yeah, I think that, that makes sense. Because, yes, yeah, some people, you know, the idea of going live yeah, can be hard, but at the same time, you know, let's say, you know, we did just do this live and, and broadcast it live, then all of a sudden I wouldn't have to do any work because the video's <laughs> up there, you know? Yeah, so. exactly. And, and also, I think, you know, people are used to seeing live streams now. They know that they're not necessarily going to be perfect. It's not like it doesn't have to be this polished, you know, Hollywood production, does it? Uh, so, yeah, but I think, but some but some guests, you know, I've suggested doing live stuff too, and they're just like, no, no, I can't do that. It's, it freaks me out. So, you know, it, it just it just varies, I think, greatly. 
Okay. No, that is helpful because I, I know uh, I've been in the process of figuring out and evaluating strategy and should I go mm. live and uh, definitely thinking about going a lot more live, uh, you know, with <laughs> things, but still just kind of been thinking through workflow and, you know, what that looks like and, uh, you know, whether using Zoom and, and just pushing that live to, to Facebook or YouTube or, yeah. um, or should I go separately and, you know, just go like live on Instagram, uh, for example, and, and have us yeah. both be on Instagram while I'm recording separately. Uh, so it's still a lot to think through. One of the things I love about the live stuff is the, the audience engagement, you know, being able to, actually able to sort of do a Q&A with your, with your followers uh, or, or take questions. If Like for my Working Lunch live series, you know, the, the person I was speaking to, the questions would, also, would be directed towards them generally. And obviously I'd kind of chip in with my two cents as well. I think that adds another layer of kind of, of – fun to it and, and just makes it more dynamic because you're not just having one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone else you've suddenly got an audience who are sort of chipping in with their thoughts their feelings their questions so again i think that's kind of part of the excitement of being live as well um is the audience engagement and again i think um people like to share live content because it's like look this is happening right now you know yeah and, and so i'm curious you you realized that you've been doing some live stuff what platforms had you been using for for that live uh you know lunchtime was yeah lunch work so it was called working lunch initially i started it just on linkedin because linkedin have only really recently announced their live program it's still in beta so i was lucky enough to get an invitation to use uh, the linkedin live uh, video uh, streaming service and I thought I needed to come up with a concept to actually do something with this. Now I've got access to it because it took like three or four months before I was finally approved. It was a approved. while, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so I started working lunch in February and the concept was just I'd get every single Wednesday lunchtime, I'd get a different guest on and then I would rely on the guest really to provide the, the form of the conversation. It would be bring to the table three strategies or three topics of discussion that, you know, that they were really an expert on. So I spoke to everyone from people who were in marketing through to a more kind of like HR stuff through to, you know, entrepreneurs, people who have started businesses, um, you know, uh, all, all kinds of folks really in, in, from, from different backgrounds. And, you know, it was great. And as I say, at the end of every episode, you got questions for, for, for not just myself, but for the guest on board, you know, you could answer those questions and that will kind of spur on further discussion. So I had a, had a great blast. Um, I think I did 17 in a row, 17 weeks. So from February until like middle of May, I'm having a little break from it now. I'm going to probably resume it later in the, later in the summer. No, that's great. And a really interesting idea Did you find, I was just curious to see like what platform you were using to do. I know LinkedIn live, it's a little bit cumbersome in terms of like, you have to use a third party. Um, yeah. what did you end up using just out of curiosity? Uh, is a service called StreamYard. Okay. No, I have heard about StreamYard. StreamYard. Yeah. yeah. StreamYard. It's really good. It's pretty simple. Like it's not, you know, it's not overly complicated, but that's good as well for the guests because you just send them a link. They can just jump on, <clears throat> you know, they don't need to sort of configure any software or anything. So it's worked pretty well. And, uh, you know, I started just going live, live on LinkedIn and then uh, towards the end, I was pushing out on YouTube and Facebook as well, just because I was like, I wanted the audience to be as, as wide as possible. And I was trying to get more, you know, more people engaged and watching and LinkedIn live is still kind of, you know, it's not, uh, and the other thing with LinkedIn live as well is you can't, you don't get the URL to the video until it goes live. So it kind of makes it hard for the person you're interviewing to actually share it, yeah. um, which kind of sucked, but I think they've changed that now you can actually schedule events. So yeah, but it's still, it's still, um, it's interesting. And I think the thing with LinkedIn is, you know, they want business focused content. A lot of the other platforms, 
like Facebook is there's a lot of people just playing music or just messing around. And so YouTube, it's like gaming, isn't it? People streaming like them playing computer games. So or, or I think two videos or yeah, yeah. So so I think that's what's good about LinkedIn is they want you know, business focused kind of intellectual discussions versus versus just you know crazy cats and what's whatnot. Yeah, or, or I think like. You no, know, TikTok being known for yeah. for funny dance videos, yeah. uh, you know, dancing during the quarantine, which is you know definitely a real thing. But I think it makes sense that uh, that yeah, that LinkedIn, and and that's what I'm finding too, is that like pushing stuff on LinkedIn um, is really a great way of, of connecting. You can tag the person. Like I'll probably mm. be doing a short post. Uh, we know with this one, uh, posting it out. You know, when, when once the episode uh, releases later this month with a with a short post, you can tag the person, and also like LinkedIn. You know, especially if it is business related, the content's showing up longer. Like uh, you put something on Instagram, Facebook within 24 hours, unless it gets some major traction, it's gone. But yeah. for LinkedIn, you know, even stuff that people posted a few days ago um, can still show up. And especially if it's even more if it's like video content. Uh, you yeah. Know, it's in the feed. And, and to be honest with you, LinkedIn at the moment is just great for, for organic engagement. You don't need to spend money. If you post interesting content on LinkedIn, you know, you can get some really good engagement. No, that's great. Well, 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 thanks so much, James. It has uh, been great having you on the podcast. I know I have, um, you know, already I mentioned to have found one podcast guest on through through matchmaker.fm and yeah. uh, hope to find more. And uh, who knows, maybe I'll I'll be featured on, a, a, I'll have to create a profile as a uh, wanting to be on the guest as, as a podcast. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, why not? And I know, you know, one of my goals with podcasting had been actually, ironically, to become, I want to become a, a better uh, public speaker. And yeah. I was like, well, you know, even, even if I'm not going out and speaking in front of people, just the act of speaking publicly, you know, on a camera and a mic would be good practice. And so I think, mm. you know, it's just, it's good practice for, for everyone. And, and you might as well, you know, get a profile out there and, uh, you know, start establishing yourself as kind of an expert in the field. And I think the best way is just to, just to practice and, you know, keep, keep cranking out content and then eventually uh you know you'll start getting some traction and i think uh this is first service that i've seen like it and sounds so seems like a great one thanks very much wesley thanks very much for the opportunity and having me on today it's been been a pleasure all right and so i know obviously matchmaker.fm and you know podcast.co are there any other social media handles places for people to get a hold of you yeah, if you want to find out all my social media handles are listed on jamesm.com slash connect that's jamesm.com slash connect Perfect. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks so much, James. Um, have a great one. Hope things uh, go well on, on your side of the pond, as they say. Cheers, Wesley. All right. Cheers. Take care, man. All right. And that wraps up another episode of No Fat Cats. I hope you had some great takeaways and thoughts for how to get more guests and run your own podcast. I've recently talked to so many people who are wanting to start their own podcast and making more content for themselves. If you'd like tips on how to start your own, I'd love to talk you through a coaching session. Soon, I'll be adding this feature to the website where you can schedule an appointment. But for now, shoot me an email at Wesley at Intermotion Media and we can schedule a time to chat. Until next time, have a good one. There's definitely a big network and a growing network of people who've got successful businesses, interesting careers, and they really want to, um, you know, share their expertise with others and also tell their stories as well. Welcome to No Fat Cats, where I want to help you set goals, create a plan and execute consistently with your creative projects.
Are you struggling to find guests for your podcast? Let's face it, regularly finding people for a podcast can be a lot of work. And at first you can pull on your friends and your family, but at some point your immediate circle of people to pull from starts to slim down. You tap connections and ask for referrals, but at some point it's easy to get stuck in the place where you aren't big enough that everyone wants to be on your podcast but also have run out of immediate guests to pull from and really have to start digging for people. Wouldn't it be awesome if there was an easy way to find people who wanted to be on your podcast? Well, James Mulvaney set out to do just that when he created Matchmaker FM, a site for helping podcasters connect with podcast guests and vice versa. It's basically self-described the Tinder, but for podcasters and completely free. Now, James had first started the website podcast.co as a way of helping people host their podcast, but then realizing that people were having this problem of finding people to be on their shows, and so he created this site. So without further ado, here's my conversation with James. Hey, James, welcome to the podcast. No, no fat cats. It's great to have you have you on board. Thanks very much for having me, Wesley. How's it going? No, it's going well. So I know you're calling in from uh, Manchester, Manchester, England, I believe, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, all the way from the UK. So uh, actually, for once, we've not been getting too much rain here. It's actually been pretty sunny the last few weeks. Oh, nice. I'm oh, glad to hear. I know we're just kind of just starting with some of our summer and it's actually been been pretty, pretty nice over here. I know normally, I guess, you know, I have the stereotype of uh, your area, your neck of the woods, as they say over here, being kind of kind of <laughs> rainy. <laughs> Especially in Manchester, it's very it's got a great reputation for being really rainy. But yeah, it's been because obviously we've been in lockdown you know, which is not ideal. It feels a bit weird. I'm lucky I've got a good outdoor terrace in my apartment. So, you know, I've been just spending a lot of time outdoors working on my laptop and just kind of chilling out. So it's, it's been kind of good. Okay. No, I mean, yeah. How's, I think that's always the topic of conversation is, you know, how is, you know, mm. how's COVID been treating you? And, and I know at least that, you know, for people who kind of work in industries where they, you know, a lot of stuff they produce can be done at home and they haven't been hit as hard. And I know, you know, podcast guests, the, the one thing, mm. you know, when I first started was that I'm like, well, do I do the, the recording in person? And, and it's kind of a hassle to go and meet with someone and set things up. But, yeah. you know, when you do it online, it, it is a lot easier. And then all of a sudden, everything is just happening online. So that makes that that real easier. Yeah. Well, one of the challenges I've just, I'm just finishing now, really, I set myself a challenge to be on 30 podcasts within 30 days. So, um, using matchmaker.fm, which I'm sure we'll get onto in a little bit, but you know, it was, uh, I would never normally have the time to do that if I was in the office with, you know, with my colleagues, because it's just, you know, it's great being in that kind of team collaborative environment, but you just cut, you cut, I wouldn't be able to devote that kind of time, uh, to just being on podcasts or, you know, constantly 30 days in a row. So. No, that that's awesome. And so, too, I, I was curious. Like, so let's uh, topic of the day. Obviously, Matchmaker FM. But before we yeah. get to that, you know, ha- have you always been into you know audio podcasting? What has been that that personal journey for you when it when it comes to that space? Yeah, so I've always been a big fan of audio as a t- as a tool of communication. Like when when I was growing up, I used to listen to the radio. I used to love music, and I was kind of one of those geeky kids that used to record himself on a tape recorder in his bedroom. You know. And, and that, that kind of led to me getting involved in the, the broadcast industry. So I have uh, been working with online radio stations, providing streaming media services kind of behind the scenes um, for the last sort of 15 years now, um, which then naturally progressed on to kind of getting involved with the podcasting world 
the first podcast I ever started was with my friend Steve, probably back in like 2008, 2009, just when I was finishing. You were early adapter then. Yeah, it was was when I was just finishing university and it was just a bit of fun at the time. But like, you know, that podcast is long gone. You know, I, I, I try and dig up the episodes, but I don't know where they are. So uh it's just one of those kind of relics but you know it was it, back then it was very difficult to do you know you getting a good quality recording wasn't very accessible like you had to spend a lot more on the equipment there wasn't usb microphones and things available so the whole the whole process was quite involved um whereas now i think you know platforms like ours podcast.co make it really straightforward and simple for people to get started and i just think there's just been this incredible boom over the last three years of just podcast uh, you know the the quality the caliber of what's available has just gone right up and yeah i think you know part of it too has been is that with people commuting that people are just looking to do something in in, in a space while they're i mean for me personally my my preferred method of consuming podcasts has been as as i'm biking to work uh right. you know it's like 25 minutes you know 30 minutes and you know just put on a podcast i listen to it at time and a half and you know you get an episode in and you feel like you've learned something you feel a little yeah. bit smarter uh, feel like you've added value, you know, to your, to your life through that. And so I know that's why, that's why I personally got into it, even though I, my background really is video production was, mm-hmm. you know, I just I thought it made more sense to consume a podcast for, uh, for learning because I don't have, I don't have an hour to sit around and just watch a video necessarily, but sure. I can, can listen to an episode on my way to work while I'm biking, doing something else. And, mm-hmm. and, and from that point of view, it just is a great, great combination. And so I guess too, so like going back to, you know, what you then started with, with Matchmaker FM, like how did you get started and, and what was that, that process like of thinking, oh, we should start, you know, Matchmaker FM? Yeah, so we launched podcast.co, uh, which is a podcast hosting platform. We've been working as well as a, an agency producing podcasts on behalf of lots of clients. And, you know, I think it's no secret that there's so many podcasts which are based on interviews, having people on as guests, uh, you know, and in, interviewing other people. And, you know, it's it's quite a challenge, especially if you're doing a really regular podcast, if you're perhaps producing a show a week, to constantly make sure you've got your pipeline filled with guests. And there's a couple of services out there that claim to do this. And, and there's there's some people who claim to be like guest bookers and stuff, which either cost very, you know, a lot of money or, or you know, the, the kind of sites are kind of very dated. So we wanted to build something that was modern, clean and kind of, you know, just innovative, a, a place that we could kind of focus on to start off with building really good, high quality connections between people. And we only launched Matchmaker in February this year. So it's kind of still very new. And we're about to hit 4,000 users now. So it's grown very, very quickly, but we've been mainly focusing on just making sure that we're building quality connections and that, you know, we're not just filling it with users. Do you remember Twitter? They used to just have like all the accounts with the little egg icon because they were just inactive (laughs) accounts. We want to try and create connections and, and, and people who are on the platform who are actually engaged in using it. No, that's great. And, and I know for me too, you know, that's been one of my challenges too, is that I do, uh, usually most of my episodes are in, interview based, you know, yeah. marketing space for creative teams, help people kind of, mm-hmm. you know, set goals, uh, you know, work on their strategy and, and the next few consistently. But, you know, initially I think you can kind of pull from your immediate network, but then after a while you kind of start to reach a point where you, you know, maybe like tap out of you know, like your immediate network of most immediate people that come to mind. Yeah. And you don't quite have the, the, the credibility to really go out for some of the obvious choices out there who are clearly like experts that everyone knows. 
but I think yeah. there's a lot of space for that middle ground of like people who are good in the space, but you just don't know who they are yet. I think as well, you know, you want to, you, you make a very good point there, people who don't know who they are yet, but there's lots of people out there who have ch- achieved some amazing things and have got some really interesting stories to tell. And you can learn a lot by chatting to people, you know, I'm sure everyone wants to go and interview, you know, Joe Rogan or whoever, yeah. you know, big celebrity names. Especially after his $100 million deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. But, you know, this is the thing. There's, there's, there's definitely a big network and a growing network of people who've got successful businesses, interesting careers, and they really want to, um, you know, share their expertise with others and also tell their stories as well. No, I, I think you're right. And, and I think, too, that has been one of the struggles for me where, times it's like who do you you know at times you reach out to like like a book book author but it but if you already know who they are they probably already done um like like there's almost interview fatigue i found where people are trying to promote something they want to be on podcasts and yes and so they're doing all these interviews but the time you find them if they've already done you know their quota their circuit they're just burnt out and so they don't want to actually they're not ready to be on people's podcasts because they've done 200 of them already but I yeah. think there has it's a matter of finding people in that sweet spot of really good up and coming um, for for being able to just crank stuff out continuously. I think also as well, like if you kind of interview someone who's done 200 podcasts, they're going to have said that it gets to the stage where, you know, you have to start repeating yourself. You know, this has been a big challenge for me. As I say, I've set myself 30 and 30 days. It's been a lot of work, um, but I've really enjoyed it, you know, and but what it what has been try difficult is to try and keep each episode fresh, each episode unique, because you don't want to just be saying the same thing over and over again. And I think certainly with authors, sometimes they have like the standard spiel that they kind of just repeat again and again. Yeah, yeah, they go and buy the book. And I think really like what's what's exciting about interviewing different people and trying to keep your you know it, it, both as as an interview and as a guest you know you just get to make some fascinating connections and meet some really really cool people um and and it's it's good fun i i've as i say it's been hard work for me but i've really enjoyed this process over the last uh, month it's been great okay and, and so i am curious too like on your end you know and so your podcast you know what's the where is your currently podcast going like where are you currently putting your podcast up on uh, so my podcast is called Create, Reach, Inspire, and uh, you know we're we're on all the major outlets. So we're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, iTunes, etc. Um, but also because of what I do, I work with a lot of companies in producing their own podcasts and producing podcasts on behalf of some of our clients' clients as well. So we work with uh, various different um, artist management companies, record labels, uh, and and who represent say like musicians uh, sports personalities those kind of people so we're working on a lot of podcasts like that as well so you know really exciting space to be in at the moment and there's lots of opportunity out there i think currently all right has there been did you find have you had a few podcast guests that you just like really loved having that were Mm -hmm. like wow i can't believe i got this person and and what did you what was that process like of getting to have them on your your show well i mean i think the, the, for, for my own personal podcast, uh, one of the things I did for season two is I wanted to interview people who do, do most of the interviews face to face. So I did some here in Manchester. I said, did some down in London, um, but that was really my goal. And they aren't all necessarily like, you know, big 
personalities or big stars, but the the goal really that the the ethos was business leaders who are doing something differently. So they've they've started their own business, which is kind of breaking the mold out of the norm for what is going on in that industry. And I think you can learn a lot from people like that. So some of these guys are very successful, um, and you know some of them were had just recently broken out of very high end successful careers. You know corporate careers. Um, being paid megabucks, but they're sick of working for the kind of the corporation, working for the machine. And they want to start their own sort of boutique agency providing a service, uh, which is, you know, in the same market, but, you know, they're going to have to be super smart about how they're doing it because they're playing up against some really big players. So I think from those kind of guests, you can just learn so much. And that was really my approach for season two. I wanted to, you know, interview and kind of really get into the minds of those kinds of people, seeing, you know, what made them tick and what, what kind of, what led them to do what they decided to do, you know? And everyone's story is different. No, de- definitely. So too, I know you mentioned this is season two for you. How have you gone about the process of, of breaking stuff down? I know some people have, have chosen to take the approach of just weekly content, putting it out mm. there, you know, a weekly basis. Other people will go more of like the season approach and then almost yep. like drop a season uh, once. So everyone is, because I think from what I understand is iTunes looks at, looks at downloads, total downloads. And so if you drop a season, let's say there's 10 episodes, unless you only get 10 people who download it, all of a sudden, that looks like a hundred downloads, and so it doesn't uh-huh. matter. Um, do, what are your current like, you know, way of thinking in terms of just obviously you need to be consistent over time, but do you drop seasons? Mm-hmm. Do you do your weekly content? Any thoughts about how to approach that? I think it's different for different people personally because I'm running two different companies. I don't have the time to devote to recording podcast episodes, you know, every single week of the year. I did a season of eight series, uh, you know, eight episodes, which which we rolled out uh, probably a couple of months ago now. And as, as I say, in lockdown, I'm I've been being a guest on other people's podcasts thirty and thirty days, uh, which again, you know, is quite time consuming. But you have to be very focused with it, and you have to be very organized as well when you you're doing the appearances on other people's podcasts. You know, and it, you get a totally different experience being a guest than you do being an interviewer, um, which I think is fascinating. Um, but in terms of, you know, breaking it down to seasons, for me, it's because I just can't, you know, I, I, I record them in a batch. Um, I'll, I'll work with my team to actually edit them and create all the assets to promote those episodes, and then we'll release them according to a fixed schedule. I'll then have a break and I'll go back to doing another season later in the year. And that's just how my my workload needs to be because as I say, I, I, I'm, I'm running two companies, so I've got lots of other things to be doing. And also as well, because, you know, as I said a bit to you before, we're producing lots of podcasts for other people, you know, so I'm, I'm not just thinking about what my podcast is. It's kind of, um, you know, what what can we deliver for cl- value? Can we deliver for clients? And, you know, you have to sort of think about how to, um, you know, make their content engaging as much as your own. No, that is definitely a good point. And so I know you mentioned promotion. I know it's it's a little bit hard unless you really chart as a podcast for your podcast to be found, and unless you find it through some other service like social media, uh, a friend recommends it, you know, or, or unless you're like one of the top players, you know, what are your tips for? What is your process like for going in and promoting a podcast whenever you drop, you know, a season or an episode? Yeah, well, I, I've one of the things that I've been focusing on the past year sort of eight months to a year is personal branding you know so obviously i have we have a certain amount of content that we push out as as companies for my radio.co business and podcast.co business and we have teams who work on that content but in terms of the content i produce i've really started focusing more on that this year and, and sort of towards the back end of last year so i have my own youtube channel 
I'm constantly pushing stuff out on LinkedIn. I find LinkedIn at the moment is really good for engagement. Um, but ultimately as well, whenever I'm pushing out this content, I'm trying to build mailing lists. So, you know, getting people on my email marketing list and try and send useful content to people via email. But I think that's really key as well to promoting new episodes when they come out is being able to have an existing audience that you can leverage to say, look, I've just dropped a new podcast episode. We think you'll find it interesting. Here's what you're going to learn from it, or here's the benefits you'll get from listening to that episode. And and actually just using it, not just as a sort of standalone thing, but as part of your whole marketing strategy. I think that's really important. Now, it's a good point is that, yeah, I think I think you, it's, it's going to be so much easier when you already have an audience to drop things to. Um, yeah. Even podcasts that I that I follow, you know, I have a, have a few in the subscribe panel. I just I just don't make it to all of them, mm. uh, you know, especially when I'm at home. So I'm, I'm not commuting to work. So I'm, I'm less likely to listen to some. But then when I when I see the email, then I'll be like, oh, wow, that that look, that one looks particularly interesting. Yeah. You, know, you go back to this guy's podcast just because, uh, you know, I might not have 15 hours a week to subscribe to all the podcasts that I, exactly. that I follow, you know, or, over time <laughs> and and it's interesting because people always ask me you know what's your favorite podcast or which podcast do you listen to and because of the nature of what i do and and just my personality my attention span is is rubbish i'm not one to like sit and watch 12 part netflix series and it's the same with podcasts i will like dip in and out i will listen to certain episodes that catch my eye i think well that sounds interesting i'll listen to that or that one looks interesting and there's obviously yes you've got the the ones you're subscribed to but then i quite often find i listen to episodes that i find online and I won't necessarily subscribe to, to that podcast just because I listened to that one episode. So I think, you know, the, the, the idea that everyone who's going to subscribe to your podcast and is going to listen to every single episode is probably a little bit dated now. I don't think it really works like that anymore. Maybe, you know, it used to five, 10 years ago. But nowadays you need to be thinking, you know, it's, it's not always going to be people subscribing who are listening. It might just be people who are landing on your website. They find it through Google or, you know, like you say, they find it through another a friend's recommendation or social media, et cetera, but not necessarily always going to be subscribers. So it sounds like what you're saying is that your approach isn't necessarily, hey, you're going to get people who come and then, you know, land the whole, they're going to binge listen and watch the whole time or listen the whole time. But really, it's a matter of put out each of those individual episodes and really have make sure there is, you know, multiple connect points to each podcast yeah. uh, so that people can, can get them. So, so and also though, remember to, when you, when you actually have an episode, remember to have a call to action. So if you're, if you're getting those people who listen to that one episode who perhaps aren't subscribed to your podcast, you know, have a call to action at the end of that episode, which says, you know, maybe you want to sign up to my mailing list and find out more about me, or maybe you want to, download a free video course or a free PDF or something of value that people can say, oh, that sounds interesting. And you know that the kind of person who's listening to that episode might then say, take action on that call to action. I think that's more enticing than just constantly nagging people to subscribe to your podcast. You know, and if, the, if you get them on your mailing list, the chances are they might subscribe to your podcast anyway. No, that's a good point is that, mm. you know, always have that, that call to action and, and, you know, you want people to do something that's besides just the leave a review, subscribe. And, mm. and when you provide something of value, I think people are more likely to say, yes, I'm willing to give you my email address for, for this PDF, for this tips or, you know, whatever it is in terms mm. of, uh, of value. So I'm curious, you know, what is your workflow for your current podcast in terms of the process of, you know, reaching out to interviews, uh, doing the audio, who do you send it? off to um kind of running to kind of two companies basically yeah um yeah and we have um we you know i'm lucky so i've got an in-house production facility 
Uh, so we have probably six people who work in content and they're videographers, audio editors, uh, producers. So generally speaking with my podcast, I'm quite lucky in that I kind of show up, uh, record the episode and I don't have much involvement in the rest of the process that kind of, um, because obviously we have that, that capacity for client work. Um, I can just lean on that for my own podcast as well. But I think the, the advice that I always give to people who are just getting started is uh, you just need to be super organized about it. So firstly, you know, leverage a calendar tool, whatever whatever you're using. I think we used you use Actuity Scheduling, Calendly. I use something called Harmonizely. They just make syncing your diary so much easier than the backwards and forwards of email, you know, so just Absolutely. use one of those tools. It's really, it makes, you know, so, so much, so, so much time. And of course, then you both have a nice calendar entry, you know, so you can see, okay, what have I got coming up for that day? Am I being interviewed by someone or have I got an interview with someone else or am I doing an interview? So, you know, that's, that's step one. Step two is once you've recorded the episode, you know, just treat it like a Trello workflow. That's what we do for our work. That's what we do for our clients' work. So, you know, you have the episodes that are due to be recorded. And then you, once they've been recorded, you move it into the recorded column. Then you move it into the editing, you know, and, and once it's finished editing, then you maybe have, um, you know, asset production. So you might be creating videos for social media or little clips and, or extracting out quotes. Uh, and then obviously once it's published, you have it in a, you know, due to go live and move it into a live column. Um, you know, we use Trello quite heavily for our client work just to make sure that we're kind of keeping on top of things. And also you want to make sure that you're not missing anything or forgetting about any episodes as well. And that's a perfect way of doing it. Yeah, no, I think especially, yeah, whether it's, you know, Trello or, or, or Basecamp or Asana, like you need to have yeah, some sort exactly. of tool, uh, especially if it's in a team environment, there's multiple mm. steps that, that you pass through. Yeah. What, what kind of content are you currently trying to do in terms of with the podcast? For, I mean, have you found like audiograms or is it, uh, you know, just blasting out of the email? What kind of things are you, are you seeing are effective right now for, for promoting content podcasts? Well, I think it's just a mix, you know, we, for, for my podcast, we try creating a long form piece of con written content from each episode. We, we created uh, multiple uh, audiograms, those little clips, the highlights, the nuggets of information you learn from that guest. And we, as I say, the face-to-face -face ones, we were also, where possible, pushing them out as full-length recordings to YouTube. Um, I think if you can do that, if you have the time, because of course this tough stuff is time consuming to do all of that. You know, it's it's a lot of work, especially if you're just doing it on your own. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, just leveraging social media, making sure you've got, you're at least taking, repurposing that content for social media. That's sort of step one, really. No, I, th I think definitely, because especially it, as a personal podcast host, you know, you're going to have a personal network. And so, you know, mm. you might as well, might as well leverage that to a certain extent, whatever you can. Yeah. And also just make sure that you're remembering once you actually publish that episode with the guest, make sure you just send them a polite nudge just to kind of push it out to their networks as well. You know, that's, no, that's, I, that's one of the, the main benefits of having guests on your show, I think. Yeah, so you can get them to, to pull it out to their mm. their network. No, absolutely. So going back to, to Podcast F FM, uh, I mean, what was that journey like? I mean, I know there's a lot that goes into, hey, wouldn't it be awesome if we could do this to actually yeah. having a working website that's uh that people can go to sign up yeah. you know what was that an idea that was percolating in your mind for a while or what was that like right so so we initially we launched podcast.co and we thought you know we, we noticed a lot of podcasts are based on having guests so as i mentioned before 
So we decided to initially just create a couple of different tests. We had a two funnels on the podcast.co site, one which said, you know, hey, are you a podcaster? Are you looking for better guests? Please fill out this form. And it wasn't just a name and an email address form. It was like name, email address. Please tell us about your podcast. What sort of guests are you looking for? And, you know, try and give us as much information as possible. And we'll try and connect you with guests. And this was just literally a Google form. You know, it took us 10 minutes to put together. And what we noticed was podcasters were actually coming to us and saying, yes, I want better guests and here's my podcast and this is the sort of guests that I want to be connected with. We set up another page doing the opposite, saying, you know, are you a guest? Are you an industry expert? Do you want to be featured on, to, on more high profile podcasts? Please tell us about yourself. You know, what are your areas of expertise? You know, tell us about your career, et cetera. And effectively, people were creating their own profiles on these two different Google Forms. So we kind of used that as a way to validate the demand for the product. So before we actually wrote any code, we wanted to make sure that there was podcasters looking for guests and guests looking to be on podcasts. Uh, we probably had a couple of hundred responses in total. And at that stage, we thought, right, this is a goer, you know, so let's start working on on some ideas for a product. Uh, we came up with the name Matchmaker. We kind of thought we want to build this like almost a bit in a bit of a sort of tongue in cheek way, like a dating platform for podcasters. So this is what it says on our homepage. It's like Tinder for podcasters. Um, And really that's just how the the product came about. You know, we, we validated there was demand there before actually starting to build it. And um, of course, then when we had the platform ready to go, we probably spent about four or five months building the thing and (coughs) excuse me. Um, And then we, you know, we reached out to all of those folks who'd filled in those forms and we said, look, this is ready to go. Please sign up. And of course, we had our first users already there. No, that, that's great. And you know, I, I, that is kind of, you know, tongue in cheek in terms of like, yeah, it's like the, the Tinder for podcasting, uh, you know, so people can go up, you know, go online, you know, you can put they're either looking to be on a podcast or, or looking to host one. And then has there been anything that's been like surprising about the process? Uh, you know, is, is your starting like, oh, I didn't think of that or uh, any like lessons learned, uh, you know, through, through the way of creating it? Well, um, the development process, you know, obviously we kind of launched it as an MVP. So as I say, it's been live for about four months now. We've grown to nearly 4,000 users. What we're doing is, is listening to what users want. So there's loads of things that we didn't think about. So for example, um, we didn't have, when we launched ability to set yourself as like a way. So, you know, obviously not everyone constantly wants to be bombarded with requests for guests or, or not every guest wants to be reg- bombarded with requests for interviews. It's kind of, so we, we, we didn't even think about that. So we, we obviously had to put like a little on-off switch there. Um, there's loads of stuff on the roadmap now. One of the other major um, features that we're going to be building is like an agency function. We have had a lot of PR and marketing companies coming to us saying, look, I don't want to just represent myself. I want to re- represent, you know, 10, 15, 20 different guests. And we will handle all the communication on their behalf. We want to get them booked on podcasts. So we'll probably be adding an agency function to it in the near future as well. And, uh, you know, just continuing to iterate and make small adjustments as, as users' demand sort of increases. No, that, that's great. And, and to what extent have is, has kind of growing it just been a matter of, you know, reaching out to people who are who ha- have self-identified as, as podcasters on, you know, LinkedIn and letting yep. them know about the service versus uh, have you tried any kind of, you know, ad campaign or just kind of word of mouth growing it in, in that regard? 
we've we've used a lot of uh, LinkedIn outreach. We've used a lot of word of mouth, and actually, because users have found the service really valuable, uh, they've been fantastic about spreading the word. So, you know, we've been saying to people, look, you know, if you find this useful, please share it with your network. So, we've had loads of people, you know, posting about it in like marketing groups and and the sort of mentoring groups that they're part of, recommending it to others, which I think has helped us in terms of the growth. Um, because at the moment you know it's it's a closed environment you know that's another thing which we're looking at doing is is making it more open so search engines can crawl individual users profiles uh but you know at the moment you know you still need to sign up in order to sort of view guests etc so you know the, the, but it but it has been mainly just um, through organic outreach and word of mouth we've run a little bit of advertising to it as well um you know mainly we, we're conscious that obviously we want to have a sort of fairly even balance between guests and podcasts. There's slightly more guests on the platform at the moment than there is podcasts, but you know, it's not the, we, we, we don't want that gap to become too big because ultimately I think you need to give podcasters a good, better, a bigger choice of guests almost. So there's probably always got to be slightly more guests than there is podcasts, but we, but again, we don't want to kind of have, you know, like a million guests on there and only like a few hundred podcasts. We need to try and keep those numbers relatively balanced. No, definitely. And so I'm curious too, like obviously with any company, like it's a matter of getting users and eventually growing, like what is like the yeah. business model look like for, for a group like matchmaker? Um, mm. I know, I mean, right now I think the, as far as I know, like the service is free, yeah. but what does that look like to, to leverage and grow, you know, to like financial sustainability down the road? Yeah. So I think to begin with, as I say, we're, we're focused just on building connections. We want to grow the user base. We probably will always have a free model, a freemium model. Um, I think probably we will be charged, like as I mentioned before, if agencies want to come on board, there's going to be money there. So it'll be, if you want to sign up to an agency account representing your guests, uh, that will be a paid for service. In terms of charging users, we'll probably also be, you know, introducing some premium plans in future. I think it'll probably still be, you know, we'll always have a free option there just because I think um, it's a good know, practice. Great, yeah. And, and, and it's, and as an entrepreneur, I find it massively rewarding seeing that people are making connections using our software. So we want to try and keep that, uh, you know, always free, but um, there's also other things that we can do. You know, we, it's been a great funnel for getting clients to sign up to our other business, which is a podcast hosting platform over at podcast.co. So, because a lot of people who sign up as guests, really want to start their own podcast as well you know so they might do a few interviews and think you know i'm going to have a crack at this so it's it's been a good funnel for for for, for, for you know transferring users to signing up to podcast.co so we can kind of justify running it for free for them for the time being anyway and that's sort of what's funded the development of it so far oh that's so, so they actually like technically podcast.co and, and matchmaker fm are they like technically separate companies or are they kind of under the same roof of, yeah, of, of one same company, company. Yeah, oh, exactly. Okay. So, so podcast.co really is, is the, the parent company. And we're treating Matchmaker like a startup within a startup. Oh, that's awesome. Mm. Uh, no, cool. And so I guess with, with podcast.co, you know, how do you feel like you have been setting yourselves up in terms of like against the competition? Like what has been that process with podcast podcast.co? Well, we wanted to create a platform that was kind of clean, modern, and easy to use. That was really the initial um, targets. Uh, and a lot of the podcast hosting platforms out there are kind of pretty old school, and some of them aren't very user-friendly. Um, so that was really the first and foremost thing we wanted to do is just create a really good user experience. The next thing was making it very agency-friendly. So you can sign up, you can have multiple podcasts, you can have lots of different users, and you can connect different users to different podcasts. So that helps with, um, you know, onboarding larger companies, people with multiple podcasts, et cetera. 
Um, and then finally, just working with with integrations as well. Like if you look at most marketing tools these days, um, they don't do everything. You know, they work with other platforms and you can kind of connect them together. So we've, for example, I think we're the first podcast hosting platform to actually put a Zapier integration in place. Um, oh, we wow. also have um, partnerships with a company called Headliner, who do the the, the videograms, um, and a few others which are in progress at the moment. So, you know, again, it's making it kind of easily connectable to other solutions, and uh, obviously, Matchmaker being one of them as well. No, that's great. That that is uh, kind of helpful. Here, that how that breakdown is, and kind of solving some of those problems that mm. some of the other other ones like Anchor might not have, you know, or, or stuff like that. So it's more kind of like agency friendly uh, yep. for people who are because I know, especially with like you know with something like Anchor, like you have to like a separate login, and yeah. you know, it's kind of a hassle that way. But I can see how there could be a, a lot of value in, in podcast.co with, with something like that. So I will definitely mm. have to be be checking those those features out too as well. And and great. And so too, I'm curious, you know, when it comes to to podcasts and the interviews, do you think I know a lot a lot of programs are starting to do like live uh, live versions where it's like they're going live on on video and the, and taking the audio as a podcast? Mm-hmm. Do you think to a certain extent how many of your interviews that you see people doing are on they're doing something live at the same time and then later putting audio out uh, is a is a separate channel or do you think people Mm. will still kind of keep in the the traditional podcast form for a while or any thoughts there i mean i think it's interesting because i've just finished doing a live series myself um we didn't they they are available to watch again on demand on like youtube and and actually i started the series just on linkedin um but yeah i mean that's one of the things i was saying to to one of my colleagues is we should be pushing these the audios out of these episodes out as a podcast but we haven't done that you know so i think it's a mix really you know again i was on a podcast the other day which they they stream live sometimes when you get guests on and you say i want to do this live they freak out you know some people just (laughs) don't feel comfortable doing it live because you know obviously it can't be edited but you know um i think it's just down to the individual really i don't think there's any i don't i think it's too early to really see say that there's a trend or a pattern there i think you know, again, there's lots of people who do live streaming, you know, on YouTube and things and don't do podcasting. And then obviously podcasters who don't do live stuff. So it's just it's just really down to, to your audience and what you think works best, I think, and what you what you're personally comfortable doing. OK, so, yeah, I think that, that makes sense. Because, yes, some people, you know, the idea of going live yeah, can be hard but at the same time. You know, let's say you know we did just do this live and, and broadcast it live. Then all of a sudden, I wouldn't have to do any work because the video's up there. You know, yeah, so. exactly. And and also, I think you know people are used to seeing live streams now. They know that they're not necessarily going to be perfect. It's not like it doesn't have to be this polished, you know, Hollywood production, does it? Uh, so yeah, but I think, but some but some guests, you know, I've suggested doing live stuff too, and they're just like, no, no, I can't do that. It's, it freaks me out. So you know, it, it just it just varies. I think greatly. Okay. No, that is helpful because I, I know uh, I've been in the process of figuring out and evaluating a strategy and should I go mm. live and uh, definitely thinking about going a lot more live, uh, you know, okay. with things, but I've still just kind of been thinking through workflow and, you know, what that looks like and, uh, you know, whether using Zoom and, and just pushing that live to, to Facebook or YouTube or, yeah. um, or should I go separately and, you know, just go like live on Instagram, uh, for example, and, and have us yeah. both be on Instagram while I'm recording separately. Uh, so it's still a lot to think through. One of the things I love about the live stuff is the the audience engagement. You know, being actually able to sort of do a Q and A with your with your followers, 
or or take questions if like for my working lunch live series you know the the person i was speaking to the questions would also would be directed towards them generally and obviously i'd kind of chip in with my two cents as well i think that adds another layer of kind of of fun to it and and just makes it more dynamic because you're not just having one-on-one conversation with someone else you've suddenly got an audience who are sort of chipping in with their thoughts their feelings their questions so again i think that's kind of part of the excitement of being live as well um is the audience engagement and again i think um people like to share live content because it's like look this is happening right now you know yeah and, and so curious, you you referenced that you've been doing some live stuff what platforms had you been using for for that live uh you know lunchtime was yeah lunch- work so it was called working lunch initially i started it just on linkedin because linkedin have only really recently announced their live program it's still in beta so i was lucky enough to get an invitation to use uh, the linkedin live uh, video uh, streaming service and I thought I needed to come up with a concept to actually do something with this. Now I've got access to it because it took like three or four months before I was finally It was a while, approved. yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so I started working lunch in February and the concept was just I'd get every single Wednesday lunchtime, I'd get a different guest on and then I would rely on the guest really to provide the, the form of the conversation. It would be bring to the table three strategies or three topics of discussion that, you know, that they were really an expert on. So I spoke to everyone from people who were in marketing through to, and more kind of like HR stuff through to, you know, entrepreneurs, people who started businesses, um, you know, uh, all, all kinds of folks really in, in, from, from different backgrounds. And, you know, it was great. And as I say, at the end of every episode, you got questions for, for, for not just myself, but for the guest on board, you know, you could answer those questions and that will kind of spur on further discussion. So I had a, had a great blast. Um, I think I did 17 in a row, 17 weeks. So from February until like middle of May, I'm having a little break from it now. I'm going to probably resume it later in the, later in the summer. No, that's great. And a really interesting idea. Did you find, I was just curious to see like what platform you were using to do. I know LinkedIn live, it's a little bit cumbersome in terms of like, you have to use a third party. Um, yeah. what did you end up using just out of curiosity? Uh, it's a service called StreamYard. Okay. No, I have heard about StreamYard. StreamYard. Yeah. yeah. StreamYard. It's really good. It's pretty simple. Like it's not, you know, it's not overly complicated, but that's good as well for the guests because you just send them a link. They can just jump on, <clears throat> you know, they don't need to sort of configure any software or anything. So it's worked pretty well. And, uh, you know, I started just going live, live on LinkedIn and then uh, towards the end, I was pushing it out on YouTube and Facebook as well, just because I was like, I wanted the audience to be as, as wide as possible. And I was trying to get more, you know, more people engaged and watching and LinkedIn live is still kind of, you know, it's not, uh, and the other thing with LinkedIn live as well is you can't, you don't get the URL to the video until it goes live. So it kind of makes it hard for the person you're interviewing to actually share it, yeah. um, which kind of sucked, but I think they've changed that now you can actually schedule events. So yeah, but it's still, it's still, um, it's interesting. And I think the thing with LinkedIn is, you know, they want business focused content. A lot of the other platforms, like Facebook is there's a lot of people just playing music or just messing around. And so YouTube, it's like gaming, isn't it? People streaming like them playing computer games. So or, or I think two videos or yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that's what's good about LinkedIn is they want you know, business focused kind of intellectual discussions versus, versus just, you know, crazy cats and what's whatnot. Yeah. Or, or I think like, you know, TikTok being known for, yeah. for funny dance videos, yeah. uh, you know, dancing during the quarantine, which is, you know, definitely a real thing. But I think it makes sense that uh, 
that yeah that linkedin and, and that's what i'm finding too is that like pushing stuff on linkedin um is really a great way of, of connecting you can tag the person like i'll probably mm. be doing a short post uh we you know with this one uh posting it out you know when, when once the episode uh releases later this month with a, with a short post you can tag the person and also like linkedin you know especially if it is business related the content's showing up longer like uh, you put some on instagram facebook within 24 hours unless it gets some major traction it's gone but yeah for linkedin you know even stuff that people posted a few days ago um can still show up and especially if it's even more if it's like video content uh yeah you know, it's in the feed and and to be honest with you linkedin at the moment is just great for for organic engagement you don't need to spend money if you post interesting content on linkedin you know you can get some really good engagement no, that's great. Well, well, well thanks so much, James. It's uh, been great having you on the podcast. I know I have, um, you know, already I mentioned to have found one podcast guest on through through matchmaker.fm and yeah. uh, hope to find more. And uh, who knows, maybe I'll I'll be featured on, a, a, I'll have to create a profile as a uh, wanting to be on the guest as, as a podcast. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, why not? And I know, you know, one of my goals with podcasting had been actually, ironically, to become I want to become a, a better uh, public speaker. And yeah. I was like, well, you know, even, even if I'm not going out and speaking in front of people, just the act of speaking publicly, you know, on a camera and a mic would be good practice. And so I think, mm. you know, it's just, it's good practice for, for everyone. And, and you might as well, you know, get a profile out there and, uh, you know, start establishing yourself as kind of an expert in the field. And I think the best way is just to, just to practice and, you know, keep, keep cranking out content and then eventually uh you know you'll start getting some traction and i think uh this is first service that i've seen like it and so, so it seems like a great one thanks very much wesley thanks very much for the opportunity and having me on today it's been been a pleasure all right and so i know obviously matchmaker.fm and you know podcast.co are there any other social media handles places for people to get a hold of you yeah, if you want to find out all my social media handles are listed on jamesm.com slash connect that's jamesm.com slash connect Perfect. Sounds good. Right, well, thanks so much, James. Um, have a great one. Hope things uh, go well on, on your side of the pond, as they say. Cheers, Wesley. All right, cheers. Take care, man. All right, and that wraps up another episode of No Fat Cats. I hope you had some great takeaways and thoughts for how to get more guests and run your own podcast. I've recently talked to so many people who are wanting to start their own podcasts and making more content for themselves. If you'd like tips on how to start your own, I'd love to talk you through a coaching session. Soon, I'll be adding this feature to the website where you can schedule an appointment. But for now, shoot me an email at Wesley at Intermotion Media and we can schedule a time to chat. Until next time, have a good one.